We are here in Nairobi, Kenya, and another edition of RB News on Radio Baraza starts right now. RB News brings you stories and reports from Kenya's rural areas and the urban marginalized. Here is some of what we've prepared for you. From Kajiado County, Dev reporter Christine Musa is on a story about the never-ending wars of FGM. Reporting from Meru County, Dev reporter Brian Gitonga adds to RB News conversations on reporting on rural issues by interrogating the menace of cancer in Meru. And later, Dev reporter Kimondo Maina joins the conversation from Meru. Despite years of intervention, FGM continues to be a strongly held cultural practice among the Maasai community. Some women have survived the cut and lived to tell stories about these experiences. Others have had their lives changed forever, grappling with the harmful effect of the practice. Hope lies ahead, however, as male members of the deeply patriarchal community are beginning to stand up against the practice. Here's our very own Dev reporter, Christine Musa from Kajiado County, with that story. Eradication of female genital mutilation in Kenya is still facing major challenges. Low self-esteem and stigma against those who have not undergone the cut remains a nightmare. I'm Alice Masinte from Kajedo South, Rombo Ward. The fateful day that I went through FGM, a group of five girls all underwent the cut using the same same razor blade. I'm for sure that day I still remember up to date. I really I nearly bled to death. It was so bad. There's no any painkiller that you are given. There is nothing that there is no medicine that you are given. Instead, what is applied on on the wood is the cow dung. And you remember the cow dung has some a bit of uh, urine. Okay, for them, they said that it was medicine, but it was so painful. Masinte cut was to prepare her for marriage, which was organized one week later. My mom told me told me that hey, your dad is, is preparing for uh, for a marriage. So tomorrow, early in the morning, I think you'll be going to to your place with the friends. So at around uh, 2 a.m., we were able to escape to the convent, to the sisters' convent. Reaching there, I was taken in. I explained what happened. Then I was taken to the hospital for treatment because I was still not feeling well. The Kenya Demographic Health Survey 2022 indicates that 15% of girls and women have undergone circumcision with those in the age bracket of 15 years to 49 years the most affected. The practice of women's circumcision was criminalized in 2019 following an eradication initiative which started in 2011. I'm Dr. Dennis Miskela. I'm an obstetrician and gynecologist at Kenyatta Hospital. These women, when they have obstructed labor where the baby cannot come out, they have no help. 
So over time, they end up with fistula. And fistula is a terrible disease because it's shame. You know, as an adult who has been able to control the stool or the urine, when you find yourself now leaking and the smell and everybody running away from you, if you're a, a businesswoman, this poor woman who has to go to the market to sell, you can no longer be seen in public, you have to stay at home, so you lose even your economic activity. Probably the marriage gate breaks down because your husband won't stay and all that. And women suffer in silence. But if you know somebody who is not able to control their urine, or control their stool offices, let them come to the hospital and be able to help them. Some men like Parsanka Sayanka have joined the fight against the vice. As a Masai Moran and male champion, I concentrate on engaging men and boys, making them understand that FGM as a cultural practice is retrogressive, is harmful, it affects the girls, it affects the men as well. And as custodians of culture, it is our responsibility as men to correct, to abandon this practice. We are the highest authority in uh, our community. So it's making them understand under the trees why this is a violation of human rights and why we have to work together for its abandonment. Amid the setbacks in eradicating the harmful practice, some survivors like Masinte have been in the forefront to champion against the practice. Went to high school, finished St. Clair's, still in Rombo. I got a B and went to the you know, to Wigaton University, did agricultural education and extension from the organization, which is called Naritinto ECBO, the community-based organization whereby our programs involve girls, girls, women, and youth empowerment. And I just want to encourage anyone there, especially the, the pastoralist girls, that everything is possible and um, always be aggressive, grab that opportunity to ensure that we all have uh, a great future. Empowering women cutters have been cited by non-state actors as key in eradicating the vice. Kajado County Commissioner Jude Wesonga says We'll apply the rule of law without caring about the emotions or cultural ignorance. In order to attain the universal health care goal by 2030, more concerted efforts by all concerned stakeholders ought to be put in place to end the retrogressive culture. Reporting for Radio Baraza, my name is Christine Wangoi. Affordable health care continues to be an issue for many Kenyans, especially those whose families have been impacted by serious illnesses such as cancer. Our next story highlights people's journey to healing through Kenya's health care system. Here's Dev reporter Brian Gitonga from Meru County with that story. As Don Knox. Nature whispers the sounds of hope amidst cancer pain. I travel to Kibaranyaki location in Gidongo, located in the outskirts of Meru town. It's a rainy morning. 
Moses Kidinji has fought prostate cancer and emerged victorious in a rates is treatment journey and challenges. I had trouble passing urine and so I visited the doctor. Tests revealed I had prostate cancer which had affected my lung. I panicked a lot and thought the end had come. I then left Meru for MP Shah Hospital where I received 37 radiotherapy sessions till I recovered. It was very expensive spending 150,000 shillings per month which is a big problem. Moses advocates for highly screening while urging the government to equip hospitals in Meru with radiotherapy machines. I now urge people to go for early screening. Even if you are infected, it doesn't mean you will die as long as you visit a doctor. We also urge the government to buy a radiotherapy machine because that is the biggest problem Meru people have. Charles Kahedia, a father of two, shares his late father's struggle with stage 4 stomach cancer. My father was diagnosed with cancer, which was final stage. He was growing thin and thinner and so nothing could be done because he was not eating. This cancer was stomach cancer and last year, 2022, my father died. Charles appeals for early screening as he reminds the public on the importance of having a health insurance. My appeal to people is to be screened because if it was diagnosed hard enough, my father could survive. Also, I would appeal to many people to be insured because every time we was being discharged through NHIF, we were paying 150,000. So if it were not NHIF, this journey could be very difficult. Gladys Musi, a palliative care nurse and the CEO of Meru Hospice, a non-governmental organization in Meru County, shares how our institution gives hope to cancer survivors. The services that we offer here include pain and symptom management and um, we keep a drug known as morphine and that drug is able to reduce pain caused by cancer. Uh, we also do bereavement support to the family after their, their loved one dies of cancer and any other life-limiting illnesses. During that time and even after the burial, we follow up the family. We also conduct home visits. Uh, that's what makes Miro Hospice unique. We take our services to patients' home. We take our drugs. We train the caregivers at their homes, uh, those whom the family identify as a caregiver to the patient. And we also do counseling and psychosocial support. Dr. Stephen Kibengo Shege, a clinical oncologist at the Meru Teaching and Referral Hospital, describes the current cancer situation. Meru is uh, one of the leading counties with uh, the number of cancer cases. I mean, we've been seeing so many patients of, of the recent years. That would be an average of almost uh, over 3,000 patients and uh, almost 60 new patients uh, every month. Uh, starting with the types of cancers that are commonest, the number one cancers in male is uh, prostate cancer. That is followed very closely with cancers of the esophagus, 
and cancers of the stomach and cancers of the rectum. They are quite high. <clears throat> there are also some uh, cancers of the liver and uh, and blood cancers. They, they, they are becoming quite common. Dr. Shege speaks on the challenges and emphasizes the need for highly screening. The, uh, being such a busy cancer center, one of the major challenges we're having is staffing. Um, as we currently speak, um, the only uh, specialist in the public sector in Meru. The other issue that we have is we need, for example, radiotherapy machines, which we don't have in the whole county, and uh, we have to refer our patients. So to, to the patients, uh, cancer is not a death sentence. Uh, never give up and come so that we are able to walk this journey together. For those who are uh, lucky not to have gotten cancer, please come for screening. The screening is there at Meru Teaching and Referral Hospital. Is there in level 4s, level 3s, and I think even level 2s. Indeed, cancer is treatable with highly screening. Itonga Brian, Radio Baraza, in the county of Meru. Brian signing off there as we go for a break. When we come back, we will listen to more. This is RB News reporting on rural issues and on the urban marginalized here on Radio Baraza powered by DTM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this edition of RB News here on Radio Baraza. Up next is a piece from Nairobi County where dev reporter Brenda Lagarde seeks to know how Kenyans are coping with the skyrocketing cost of living. She shares with RB News listeners about how some residents of Nairobi County are finding ways to manage their grocery bills and turning even the smallest of spaces in the urban jungle into arable land. Here is that story. In the pulsing heart of Nairobi, where the city's relentless energy never sleeps, a silent yet profound transformation is unfolding. Among the concrete giants and the ever-moving streets, green oasis are sprouting. The city's response to soaring living cost is growing from the ground up through urban farming. Today, we journey into the green pockets of Nairobi, where residents are cultivating not just crops, but a brighter and sustainable future. Let's explore these verdant tales of strength and growth. Life in Nairobi is intense. You know, every trip to the grocery store and, you know, the bills got heavier. So I asked myself, why not, you know, bring the farm to me? Meet Judy Wanjiko. Amidst the hustle of Nairobi streets, in a building that mirrors countless others, Judy's apartment tells a unique story. This spirited woman in her mid-thirties refused to merely sigh at high-escalating grocery bills. She dared to dream differently. Picture this, a modest balcony which once held ornamental pots and the occasional burst of flowers, now reimagined into a tapestry of vibrant greens, each plant aiming for the sky. So as I looked uh, at my balcony, I saw this space uh, that had uh, so much um, untapped potential. Yeah, sure, the flowers are beautiful, but I wanted to transform it into something that would uh, benefit me, especially with those uh, rising grocery bills. For Judy, this wasn't just a balcony anymore. It was a patch of fertile land waiting to be tilled and nurtured 
it was her very own urban farmland um it wasn't easy at first uh, but with some recycled containers and you know vertical planting techniques today I have you know leafy greens tomatoes you know and herbs uh, harvesting fresh produce from my own space that's really the best decision that i made it's there's nothing like it it's organic it's healthy it's fresh you know and it saves me money in the northwest of central nairobi far from the towering buildings and amidst the rhythmic sounds of a community in motion stands sarah charles compound a location known to many but understood by few her land sings a different tune from its surroundings sarah a passionate woman in her early 40s with an aura of quiet determination dangerous see an empty plot she saw an opportunity a canvas There was this day that I was just chilling out around my compound and uh, I began to see how my compound was very huge and at that point a thought came into my mind and I realized that I could be able to do something with this land for it to bring me profit or even benefit my community in a place where children once played endlessly Now rows of hearty vegetables stand tall. The rich browns of the soil mixed with the lush greens of crops tell of her dedication. For Sarah, this wasn't merely a plot of land. It was a symbol of community, hope and sustenance. This was where she planted not just seeds but dreams for her community. I'm very passionate when it comes to environmental sustainability and uh One of the things that I've come to realize is that most of the community members have been struggling in terms of getting food. And uh, that is when my project came in. I've been able to do gardening and most of the times I sell to the community what I plant from my farm at a very cheaper price. and this has enabled the community members to afford food the ripple effect of this movement is far reaching neighbors faced with financial constraints are now finding hope one thing about this farm is that it has brought a lot of joy within the community and i'm proud to be a part of what has made my community to smile kenya's constitution specifically article 60 underscores sustainable land use vision 2030 and visions an industrialized middle class nation with a focus on food security and resource sustainability as urban farms rise in nairobi and eco initiatives gain momentum across the country a pivotal question emerges will our government effectively champion these ideals Will they nurture urban farming and green initiatives as cornerstones of our sustainable future? Only time will tell. Brenda Lagat for Radio Baraza. Thanks Brenda. And in our final story in this episode, we turn to Nyeri County and on to a story by Dev reporter Kimondo Maina, who informs us that caring for children with special needs has been a challenge for many families across the country. Some cultural beliefs have even led to these children being hidden from the public, mistreated or even turned into beggars, 
as is the case in Nyeri County. However, this is slowly changing as a home seeks to put a stop to these inhumane practices. Here's Kimondo with that story. As you walk along the streets of Nyeri CBD, you may encounter special needs children stationed at various points, bowels clasped in their small hands seeking assistance. Joseph Kiraguri, a resident of Nyeri town, laments that some parents engrossed in other duties turn their special needs children into beggars while leaving those with more severe cases confined within the walls of their homes. This for a long time has been how communities handle special needs children. They are parents who leave their children on busy streets asking for help so they can get money to afford their needs. In serious cases, children are hidden from the society. You can never get to see them, but you hear that there is a special needs child living in a certain For ages, children with disabilities have been sheltered from the community, marginalized and overlooked. However, located 44 kilometers from Nyeri CBD, the Elizabeth Vendramini Narumoro Children's Home, formerly known as Narumoro Disabled Children's Home, is working towards rehabilitation of special needs children through assessment, therapies, and medical care, enhancing their overall well-being and independence. Alex Kidenji is the institution's programs manager. We are an orthopedic rehabilitative center. What we do is we screen children, we screen them of physical disabilities, and uh, we take them in, those who qualify for assessment, provide surgical intervention, and then uh, we do post-operative care, which is physiotherapy and occupational therapy. Screening has its benefits, as explained by Jacinta Mega, a nurse and a beneficiary of the program working at the dispensary unit of the organization. We gather those histories so that we can be able to manage the kid here. After a successful assessment, admission is done and the rehabilitation process begins. Mary Kamumbi works in occupational therapy. We cater for children with disabilities and we help them uh, become independent, attend to their activ daily activities with minimum help through therapy. The organization has implemented a structured program that allows children to continue their education while receiving the necessary rehabilitation support by liaising with the nearby Irigidadi Primary School. Teacher Judy emphasizes the importance of inclusive education. The window period is between one and seven years. During this time, if the child is able to study, we will realize that here. But in NSE, we are trying to educate children even at the age of 14 to at least know how to read and write. Thereafter, they can undertake courses that will help them in life. Employment opportunities have flourished, particularly for women who now find caregiving roles. Moreover, youths have found purpose in the organization's workshop where temporary prosthetics, wheelchairs, and tools designed to aid children in sitting, as well as special shoes meant for children with limb length discrepancies, are crafted. This enterprise has not only created livelihood, but also empowered individuals to contribute meaningfully to the community. One, I'm very much happy for this work that I'm doing here. Uh, I have experience because the kids that they come here, they come with the different challenges when they are here. But we are unable to communicate with them and to handle them as they are.
I'm Cynthia. So what you are doing here, we are fabricating a prosthesis, a baloney prosthesis through the process of lamination. These are artificial limbs. We fabricate them artificially. So tuna tumia materials kama stockinets, resins, adenas. We'll be in a position to achieve another limb being made yenye itasaidia mtu mwenye ako amputated ama mtu mwenye ako na congenital deficiency ya maybe a lost limb in one way or another so those are the people that use these uh, products that we make here pediatric physiotherapy paves the way for inspiring success stories revolving around rising and walking our biggest successes is mostly to do with the child being able to walk and our motto is rise and walk so we ensure that all our children here one way or another are able to use an assistive device, whether it is a crutch, whether it is a walker, and we can train them on walking. Efforts by Elizabeth Vendramini in Arumoro Children's Home have not gone unnoticed. The Mungedo community has taken up the mantra on changing perception on special needs children by being good ambassadors of the cause. Parents should quit hiding their children. There are many homes in Kenya where they can take them to get the support they need. They will get access to education, food, shelter, and access to In realizing the inclusivity goal outlined in the Sustainable Development Goals and Kenya's Vision 2030, and ensuring representation of persons with disabilities as mandated in the Constitution of Kenya, Article 54, sub Article 1C. The institution gives a rallying call to members of the society to quit sheltering children but instead give them a chance to be independent through rising and walking. Moving forward, we may have more interventions even from the private sector, that we may have more partnership in regard to disability inclusive development because that is the only way we will ensure that we realize the rights as envisioned in the UN uh, rights for persons with disabilities, the SDGs and the, the Vision 2030. Through these endeavors, Elizabeth Vendramini Children's Home stands as a testament to the potential for positive change when communities come together in the pursuit of inclusivity and support for those with special needs. Reporting for Radio Baraza, my name is Kimondo Maina, Nyeri County. Remember, Arbin News aims to bring you many more stories from Transoya to Nyamira, Siaya, Kisumu, Washingishu, Mombasa, Kwale, Meru, Tana River, Migori, Kiambu, Nyeri, Tarakanidi, and many, many more counties. We end it here though for this edition. Till next time, I am Doni Yambo Odote for Arby News here on Radio Baraza, the non-profit radio powered by Development Media. Music